When I was in Africa, we were distributing wheelchairs and this man, uh, actually this is the man I was just talking about. He fell out of a tree. We asked if we could take a photograph of him and he said, wait one moment, his t-shirt had fallen off his shoulder and he just took his t-shirt and put it up on his chest and smoothed it out. And I said, now I am ready. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, we all just want to be treated with dignity and respect. That's all, that's all. And that man was in such pain, he couldn't even be moved. Um, the villagers uh, took great pity on him and occasionally deadened his pain a bit with some alcohol, but, but that was it. There was no, there were no pills, there's no treatment, there's no, no hospital, no clinic, nothing. And I dare not grumble. I don't want to be like the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness grumbling, you know, that they, they don't have life like they want it. Life, life is pretty good to us in America. So I keep that picture handy just to remind me of that every day. You're listening to the Refraining Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Hi, my name is Colleen Swindoll Thompson, and I am thrilled to invite you into a Skype interview with Johnny Erickson Tata and her husband, Ken Tata. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited. Thank you so much, Colleen. Good to talk with you and of course our viewers today. It's so great to talk with you. And the reason, well, not the reason, but one of the reasons that we are talking today is Johnny and Ken's most recent work that will be published soon is a love story. And having never read a love story that includes quadriplegia and all kinds of challenges that they have faced, I had one idea about it. But Ken and Johnny, I would like to hear from you. Why was this the time that you decided to write this book? Well, we just crusted 30 years of marriage uh, last year, three decades. And um, most of those years were spent uh, working out all the kinks, as it were. But after we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary, uh, and knowing how many marriages are struggling nowadays, marriages that are cracking under the pressure of suffering, pain, disability, uh, bad medical reports, um, we thought perhaps we might be able to share things that have helped us, some insights from the Bible that have encouraged us and, and uh, what we learned about sticking to our vows. Certainly over the last 30 years, we've learned a lot. Um, at one point, uh, thinking of ourselves as being experts probably wasn't the, the, in our vocabulary, but these last two years have taught us uh, a lot in terms of the cancer journey. It's brought us closer together and, you know, we were really blessed. It sounds maybe crazy after you get a catastrophic uh, diagnosis like cancer, but we were blessed because the cancer brought Johnny and I closer together. We, we uh, learned um, in terms of our love for each other that, that uh, you know, it, it was renewed all over again. And uh, that, was, that was probably the greatest gift that we, we've received or I've received. He, he thought he might lose me. I think that was the real kicker. Yeah, the first, uh, the, you know, the, when the first diagnosis came up, uh, I thought I was gonna lose my best friend. And, uh, you know, we learned, early that uh, it's a hurry up and wait 
when you uh, get a diagnosis like cancer because nobody can tell you definitively that you know this is what's going to happen we just had to wait and wait and uh, wait until the next lab report and then they after that lab report they said well we just need to wait till the next test so that's what happened so it's in the school of waiting that much was learned I don't know if you both know that my brother was diagnosed with cancer a year ago and I asked him what was it like to leave the doctor's office and open the hallway door and look at the long corridor in front of him what was that like and you talk about that in the book but just I would love to hear from both of you what is that like well, uh, Colleen, my situation uh, leading up to cancer, um, for those who might read the book, uh, Johnny and Ken, an untold love story, for several years I'd been dealing with intractable pain and, and a lot of depression related to dealing daily with the constant weariness of pain. And I am not kidding, Colleen, the day I got that diagnosis of cancer, it was like my depression just lifted. It just went away. Because immediately I thought, thank you, Jesus, this is my ticket home to heaven. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. I am so tired of 45 years of quadriplegia and I am so ready to go home. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have thoughts of suicide. There were no thoughts like that. But, but still, after dealing day in and day out with the constant struggles of pain, the idea of, uh, of, that, of this might be my ticket to heaven was, to me, very uplifting. Of course, over the, uh, as months went on, were on, I realized that I was, I was safe. I was going to live. We were going to beat this thing called cancer. And, um, but thankfully, the depression did not come back. My pain levels have remained the same, uh, but, but I have new focus. I have, I think, an increased pain uh, tolerance level, and I'm managing my pain better with deep breathing, exercising, eating right, drinking lots of water, uh, homeopathic remedies. So I'm, I'm grateful for the years now that I'm living. Well, I, I think for me, Colleen, and, and uh, the initial reaction was, why Johnny? After 40 years in a wheelchair, why Johnny? Why, why this cancer? God, what are you doing here? And uh, you know, it, it came to us as we had those moments um, of just being of reflection and being able to look, think, you know, about the situation that Johnny has really been a great spokesperson in the disabled community. And now she's a real spokesperson for those in the cancer community as well. And um, we've seen this in the last couple of years, how God has used this in a real positive way, because Johnny's a fighter. I don't think, uh, I've never met any of my guy friends who are as much of a warrior as my wife is. And you know, we are all in a spiritual battle. And I tell you, if I went to battle, and, I, and we are in a battle, I'd want Johnny in my foxhole. Because she's the one that's, you know, I know that would watch my back. I mean, she's, she's been my uh, biggest support in these past 30 years, and my best friend. Ken, I love the part of the story where your middle name does mean warrior and where you wrote the letter to your friend and happened to say, well, I got to tell you, 
I want Johnny in my foxhole. <laughs> yeah, I'm so honored that he would say that. That's wonderful. I, I would like to back up for a moment, and I took a quote from the beginning of the book. Actually, I think it was around the time that you both were dating. And all the cameras are going off, and Ken, you're seeing this. And Johnny, you write, but they mustn't think of us as ex extraordinary or heroic. They mustn't think of me that way, a celebrity from the West with wings on a wheelchair who smiles and paints and writes and sings. I must find a way to tell them more clearly how we struggle with so many things and fall short so often, just as they do. That is a powerful statement because from the public view, it's the Christian Institute on Disabilities and Johnny and Friends, a fantastic ministry, um, what you all are doing with the theology of suffering and cultivating curriculum in that area. But you're both very, very real people. And um, in fact, you write at, in the chapter, at the altar, a quote from Corey Ten Boom, which says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Where in the steps of your life has there been fear to trust? Because that is so universal. Well, um, I, I, I still struggle even now with um, facing a future of uh, increased pain. Mm. Um, to me, that's uh, even more overwhelming than the prospect of perhaps um, a remission of cancer. Um, pain is, to me, a daily struggle still. And so I wake up in the morning and I'm saying, oh God, I cannot do this another day. I am so tired of this pain and the quadriplegia and the, 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 the struggles of living with it. But God, I cannot do this, but you can. I can't do quadriplegia today, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. I, I can't face my future but I can face this morning. I can, I can live today in your grace. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Bible is constantly telling us to trust God for today. Um, believe him now. Uh, put your confidence in him this moment. Uh, don't worry about next week's heartaches, next month's bad medical diagnoses, next year's resurgence of cancer or intractable pain. Just, just take one day at a time. And God is faithful. He sees me through each day, and that's all I have to be concerned about. I don't have to worry about the future. I, I, I leave that to my Lord, who has proved himself time and again by getting me through the toughest of situations and, um, and, and helping me by the end of the day to go to bed with a smile. That is victory. Boy, that's, that's victory. We we worship, Colleen, a, a, a sovereign God. And if he's sovereign, then he's sovereign in adversities as well as in blessings. And uh, we know, and Johnny and I have talked about this, we realize that as we get older, at some point there's going to be another catastrophic diagnosis. It might be me, it might be Johnny. But we have to trust that, that the Lord is in control, and you know, he is. You know, we, we talk about that a lot. Um, sometimes after a medical appointment, uh, in fact, this week I was at the medical oncologist to talk about the results of the PET scan, and Ken and I drove away saying, well, no, no cancer today, no broken hips today, no broken bones, no, no resurgence of disease, no 
but tomorrow it may change. Tomorrow might be different, but today, today we are celebrating the, the grace that God has given us. So it's helped us and live the, in the moment. And that's the way we start our day. As we pray, we thank him for getting us through another one and, and that we are starting another day. And I've got another day with my wife. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. Uh, one that uh, I, as I go back into our journey, um, I'm so thankful that God allowed us that opportunity to, to come to that point. I was actually speaking with our friend Emily Coulson this morning, and she and I, of course, both have sons with disabilities, and that day-to-day -day trust has become an essential cornerstone for spiritual trust and truth, for um, the setting of the mind, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about, and just a focus to rest in a sovereign God. Um, Ken, you mentioned in the book, struggling with depression, and that is a very common occurrence with those who have disabilities, with those who are caregivers. It's also common as we are people in this broken world. Will you, will you tell us a little bit about that struggle? Because today, it doesn't sound like it's there. Well, I think, uh... To be honest, uh, Colleen, there are times where I still get depressed. Uh, you know, just last week you were feeling. Yeah, trapped. I mean, it's one of the things that that uh, Johnny and I learned in our 30 years um, early. It was easy, or not easy, but it, I would hide the fact that I was depressed because I felt so guilty in sharing that with Johnny, since the disability was partly the cause for that depression. But as time went on, it was a point where I finally realized I needed to share this with her. And we got to the point where Johnny understood that my depression wasn't because of our marriage, but it was because of feeling trapped with the, uh, with the disability. The day-to-day routines. The day-to-day -day, day -day routines. And, and uh, you know, when we can refer to those areas as kind of a, uh, you know, th this is the things that, you know, we need to address when we talk about our marriage. And these are the things that I just needed to share with you in terms of the disability. But I think that one of the things that I've learned in recent years that has been very helpful is not to go into this battle, because I consider all of this a spiritual battle, not to go into this battle alone. Johnny is my best friend, but I have a couple of gentlemen who are come right alongside me, hold me accountable, um, those that I can go to when I'm feeling a little bit depressed. And uh, I think, you know, we need all of this, but especially guys need the... Uh, the help of others That's around us. Right, the support, support of good buddies. Ken, it's very honorable for you to admit and to discuss feelings of, you know, how long, O oh Lord? You mentioned Psalm 119, and is this going to endure forever? And how would you encourage men to be open and to um, reach out and say, I need help because we cannot make it through this life on our own? That's a great question. And for your listeners, I mean, for the guys anyway, you know, it's not an easy part of, of who we are. As men, our makeup is we kind of hold these things in, and we're supposed to be the guys that are, are the ones who are, are the, uh, the leaders of our, our families. And guys are crying out. I've, I've seen this as I've talked to many of men, and we have a men's ministry uh, that we 
talk to guys and and share and and guys going to church don't have that opportunity but we, we, these small circle of men um that uh, i just want to Talk about your fly fishing outreach. Yeah, we have a fly fishing outreach during the summer, and we bring a, a, a small groups of men all during the summer up to Montana, and we have a chance to, to talk up there. And what I found is when guys are away from their comfort zones, they're willing to open up. Uh, now, you know, for most guys, that may not be a situation that is uh, attainable for guys that uh, don't have a chance to go fly fishing up to Montana, but you know, as I said before, I think it's so important that, uh, you know, they seek out um, a relationship with another believer, uh, somebody that they can trust and somebody that they can they can share their hearts with. At least one man that you can open up your heart to confidentially. Yep, at least one. That's another um, place of worship and prayer then, I think, for all of us and especially for men is... Lord, please bring into my life someone who I can share this with because I feel like I'm kind of going under. I can't imagine the, at times the feeling as David says in Psalm 13, how long, oh Lord, how long, how long? And yet the Bible says in the New Testament, after you have suffered for quote, a little while, <laughs> you know, all this is just a little while. Our first night's home in heaven, that first night's welcome home in heaven is, is going to just totally erase all the pain, all the frustration, all the difficulties that we dealt with down here on earth. And, and that's a good perspective. I think that's a healthy perspective to have, mm -hmm. to remember that, um, that this, this light and momentary affliction is only light and momentary in comparison to uh, this eternal weight of glory that our, our, our healthy and our open and honest response uh, will, will bring. So, I, you know, Ken was mentioning about depression earlier, and I, there are times when I sense that he's overwhelmed. He gets quiet, he gets withdrawn, he doesn't speak, he doesn't, uh, he just kind of like, um, he has this look, he bites his lip. <laughs> and when he started doing that, I could tell, I could tell something's up. And, and I'll say, you know, why don't you give Pete Lubasic a call? You know, please give your give your good friend Jan a call. You you need to spend some time talking to your buddies, and um, that's the best response I can give him as a wife, rather than, well, what's the matter with you? Didn't you know it was going to be like this when we got married? Of course I'm a quadriplegic. Of course I've got problems, but in, instead to get the focus off me and and to get him connecting with his good friends who are always always uplifting to him. I love She's my best support. Oh, I'm sorry, Colleen. I was going to say Johnny is my best support in, in that direction, but she's right. But I, I think the one thing that's been a key for both Johnny and I is we have a little catchphrase. We say to each other when those kind of times come up, we need to think about the bigger bigger picture. Bigger picture. The bigger picture. What's the big picture here? Yeah, sometimes, you know, we can get so wrapped up in the little things that we don't we lose sight of the bigger things, and by doing so, you know, we will just kind of, you know, be in that little area of depression and, and not realize that there is a bigger picture out there. Yeah, just to, uh, to remind each other of that is, is a big help. I think courage breeds courage. You hang around in courageous people, it's going to rub off on you. 
and she's courageous and and ken's courage rubs off on me as well you two really support each other don't you oh yeah absolutely in fact so much so he's going to give me a sip of coffee right now okay i love that i was actually kind of surprised to see my dad's name in the book when i don't know if it was ken or if it was you johnny referring to the times that he would spend with his grandfather and um their friend would say, the problem with life, little Charles, is that it is so daily. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that, that comment, as when I first heard Chuck talk about that and speak about that, it resonated so much. It is the dailiness of not life. I mean, sometimes my get-up girls are getting me up in the morning, and, you know, they push me into the bathroom, and they'll be wiping my face and brushing my hair and brushing my teeth, and I'll, I'll say, didn't we just do this? Didn't I just do this? It's like the dailiness of sometimes the smallest routines can feel so burdensome. Yeah. And um, for me, you're going to think this is, you might think this is Pollyanna-ish, Pollyanna, Pollyanna -ish, but I have learned when that happens, I've got to say, okay, stop, put everything down. Let's sing a hymn. Pick a hymn, any hymn. I don't care what it is, but let, let, you know, let's remember the big picture. And so then we might sing, oh, worship the king, oh, glorious above. And sometimes I think if there were flies on the wall looking at us and people could see how I deal with some of these uh, frustrations, they would think it was awfully weird. But Ken will attest that uh, that's the way I am. It's stop everything. Hello, we, got, we just need a, we need a change of perspective here. And uh, I've just got to jerk my soul right side up at times and grab it by the scruff of its neck and give it a good shake and say, look, life is bigger than this. Yes. And, and, and you can do this, Johnny, by the grace of God, you can do this. And I think that's a good way to live. It's a great way to live. I mean, you can see why I think my wife is a very courageous woman. And, uh, you know, as I had mentioned, the 40 years of being in a wheelchair only prepared her for the last couple of years of having cancer. But in, in both areas, her attitude uh, in, in both areas has just been unbelievable. You know, just my role models. I mean, she's somebody that I really look up to. Um, I actually don't think that's a Pollyanna way to, to confront life, Johnny. I oh, think thank you. I really don't because um, I don't know of another way to confront life when life is um, weightier or more difficult or it seems so daily we have to turn to the lord and to his word and there's something about having a song in our heart that does something that changes our spirits jonathan and i are working on his um spring show and he is singing <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious but he he last year sang holy 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 and he's the one that picks these songs i don't and this year he's singing christ the lord is risen today wow, wow. and our commute to and from school is an hour one way so i've heard christ the lord is risen today a <laughs> billion times and i will never doubt it he is risen, but it changes even Jonathan's attitude. And I think that is where we must go when, um, when we get our focus 
condensed into this moment. I've had to remind myself several times, the Lord's time is not our time. What we feel on this earth, because we are time limited in this finite condition, what feels like forever is not anything compared to the Lord's time, which is eternal. And you both must go back to that time and time again. It's not our timing. It's the Lord's timing. Tell me how that has affected you both as you have walked through chronic pain, which I had, I had a little chat with the Lord about that, Johnny. When, I, when my dad told me that now you were suffering with that and then the cancer, I'm like, you know, Lord, of all things, can you not give her a break? <laughs> uh, well, you know what helps um, me in terms of uh, the various things I deal with? When I travel, Colleen, especially to developing nations, and I meet people who, oh my goodness, I meet people who are suffering and I, I, I'm stymied. I don't know how they can manage it. I am amazed, I'm stunned at their approach to life. They have sweet, humble spirits, and yet they live in such abject poverty with such suffering, no medical supports. Um, I've met uh, people who have come to, to get wheelchairs at our Wheels for the World outreach distributions, and they drag themselves uh, with their legs behind them, having broken their back, let's say falling out of a tree, and, and they never received any medical help. Their back is still uh, it, it, the, the vertebrae have all been keeled helter-skelter, and I, I, I know they're in pain. They say they're in pain, and yet I see the way they persevere, and I think, oh, my goodness. Going back to America, I don't have anything to complain about. I do not have anything to complain about. And it always helps to look at the needs of somebody else who is struggling far greater than you ever will, and their courage can rub off on you. Uh, their brave, valiant way of looking at life and approaching life uh, speaks volumes. When I was in Africa, we were distributing wheelchairs, and this man, uh, actually, this is the man I was just talking about. He fell out of a tree. We asked if we could take a photograph of him, and he said, wait one moment. His T-shirt had fallen off his shoulder, and he just took his T-shirt and put it up on his chest and smoothed it out. And I said, now I am ready. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, we all just want to be treated with dignity and respect. That's all, that's all. And that man was in such pain, he couldn't even be moved. Um, the villagers uh, took great pity on him and occasionally deadened his pain a bit with some alcohol, but, but that was it. There was no, there were no pills, there's no treatment, there's no, no hospital, no clinic, nothing. And I dare not grumble. I don't want to be like the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness grumbling, you know, that they, they don't have life like they want it. Mm -hmm. life, life is pretty good to us in America. So I keep that picture handy just to remind me of that every day. Well, I also read that you have over your kitchen or somewhere in your kitchen, um, Psalm 42, I believe it is, where the Lord promises to be with us through the through the waters, we will not drown. I don't remember if it's Psalm 40 or 42. Right, if he's gonna bring you to it, he's gonna bring you through it. Mm -hmm. It's a good phrase. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and nothing has uh, has, uh, has overtaken me that, that somebody else has not yet already endured and, and with grace. 
Besides, like the book of Hebrews says, none of us, none of us has suffered to the point of shedding blood. You know, we're, we're not giving our blood here. Uh, we're, we're just taking one day at a time. And it's gonna resound to such glory to God. I mean, the suffering on this earth just, Colleen, it's like it stretches open my soul's capacity for more joy, more peace, more, more assurance of an eternal estate that will be far happier than if I had never suffered and, and held a godly response to it all. So one day down, one day closer to heaven, huh? One day down, one day closer. You know, I, the other thing too, Colleen, I, I, I think that as we have gotten a little bit on the older side. You nah, know, you're not old. Well, <laughs> we want to finish well. We want to finish well. And I think the other thing that I've learned is that all, and the book points this out, that uh, those growing up years are seeking affirmation in all the wrong places. But when we start seeking affirmation through our God, that's when things start to change. But it takes a while, and it takes a maturity to get to that point. And I think it really has been wonderful of the Lord to, to bring us to the point where we really now seek our affirmation through Him. And we just want to do you know, what He would want us to do with the rest of our lives. I remember Ken once coming back from a fishing trip, one of the first fishing trips that he took up in Montana with these Bible study buddies of his. And he came home and he said to me, Johnny spoke, God spoke to me on this trip. He spoke to me. And I said, well, what did he say? And he said, God said to me, take care of Johnny. She's the most precious gift I've given you. And oh, that warmed my heart. I, I, I want to explain that because one of the exercises the guys go through is to go out and try to hear what God's voice is or hear his voice. And we, we haven't heard an audible voice, but uh, the first time I tried this exercise, I didn't hear a thing. But a couple of years after that, I went out and as Johnny pointed out, it was on a, one of these men's trips. And, and uh, I can tell you exactly where I was, where God spoke into my heart and said, you know, Johnny's the most precious gift I've given you. You take care of her. Now, that was several years before this cancer diagnosis. But it was interesting how when Johnny was diagnosed with cancer, my mind went back to that point. And I said, Lord, in my head, I said, you know, I understand now. And uh, it, it was one of those things where he was preparing me for... Um, you know, a couple of years ago when, when we first got this diagnosis. I read that in the book over and over um, because I have found on a much smaller scale than what y'all have endured. But in raising a son that is, has so many needs, the more pouring out I do of myself, sometimes it's resentfully, which is an, another problem that the Lord wants me to address. It's not because of Jonathan, but the more pouring out of myself, actually the freer I am. And there is a, um, I wish everyone could experience that kind of, I told Judy I never got through one of these without crying. <laughs> the freedom of what it is to really pour yourself out to someone. And can you mention that? What has that how has that brought you both such freedom? And how do you encourage that for people who are listening who think, I can't do it another day? You, you know, I think that's why the Bible tells us to call God daddy. 
Hmm. You know, he's our Abba Father, and sometimes there have been nights when I have been so decimated by pain, and I'm lying in bed, oh, Daddy, 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 please, Daddy, please. And it, I just cry in, in his oh. arms, and it's a, a gush of, uh, just a gush of emotion. It's like your heart is being rent and, and outpours fear, anxiety, worry, bitterness, hope. I mean, a, a, just, just a tumble of words. And you trust that your wise father is going to sift those words like grain and chaff and, and throw away what's, what's, what's not worth keeping and, and treasure and hold on to those things that, uh, that my faith can build on. And I, I pour my heart out to you, too. I know. I think one of the things when you were asking that question that went, ran through my mind, Colleen, was that uh, this whole in situation with the cancer caused us just to stop and listen. You know, oftentimes we go through, through all the noise, and you know, that's what it really is. It's, sometimes we, it's a one-way uh, conversation that we have with God, but oftentimes we don't get a chance or an opportunity to really hear what God has to say to us. And I think that, that uh, when Johnny and I had those moments uh, just in our backyard, listening to the birds or listening to the wind through the trees, I mean, that was, that was a tremendous gift, and it caused us to stop, slow down, and listen to what God had to say. Mm. And, and uh, I think it's something that we've tried to maintain um, even now, that we, we will take those opportunities and treasure them as opportunities for God to be able to speak into our hearts. Um, when I read about the little fires that you make and you both sit by them on your patio at times, I wanted to crawl into a little chair and sit right there by you guys. <laughs> because there is a preciousness to silence that our, our society um, often misses. You know, my dad asked an airplane attendant one time why they played the music when people, I mean, it went on immediately as the plane stops. And she said, oh, if we kept it quiet, you can't imagine the complaints that we would get. Oh my goodness, really? Yes. And wow. so there's also a fear in being quiet. And how do you talk to someone as you're encouraging them to listen to the Lord? Um, it can sound so, yes, that's what I'm, I'm supposed to do, but almost like I need to be in a monastery to do that. And it's <laughs> not that at all. Well, I found uh, in this whole exercise of listening to God's voice, that, you know, if I can go back for a second, you know, I coached football for a number of years. And one of the things, you never send a, a, a player to go out on and play a game without having gone through some practice ahead of time. And I think it's the same in, in one sense that, you know, it takes practice. It takes time to, to hear what God has to say to you. And it may feel uncomfortable at first because it's not something that we do normally. So just being able to sit, listen, and to hear what God has to say to you. And I, I would just, what I did, and I would just only speak for myself, I, I took an hour a day, excuse me, not an hour a day, an hour a week, that I made an appointment to be able to hear what God had to say. And I just sat there for that hour. And then, you know, I'm not reading, not doing anything except for listening. And after a while, you know, just certain things were starting to come through and, and, and I started jotting those down. And I realized, wow. You know, this is something brand new, but it is very powerful for me. 
So when I was going through chemotherapy and had to be home a great deal, I got cabin fever and I, I wanted to get on my computer and I wanted to, you know, catch up with emails and, and just get connected to the office and you know, scramble to try and keep up. And Ken would be saying, come out into the backyard. You gotta see this hummingbird. He's just incredible. And at first I thought, eh, I don't have time for that. But then when I went in the backyard with Ken and I watched the hummingbird, I watched the wrens, the goldfinches, um, sitting in the backyard, feeling the breeze, the sun on my face, the quiet. It was, uh, it was something I looked forward to every day. Uh, from then on out, it was just a, a, a wonderful discipline of cultivating just quietness. Mm. We still look forward to it. It sounds like you both look for the Lord in all places and you look for him, whether it's through nature, um, through what we would call his natural re revelation of who he is, through the birds, through the wind, through the air. Um, when do you both feel closest to the Lord? Well, I personally, I, I always feel close to God when I'm singing. I feel as though I'm giving him such pleasure. I know that he looks down and sees me in this wheelchair uh, without use of my hands. And, I, and I, I know he knows what I've been through. So anytime I can lift a song to him, I just feel like I'm pleasing my daddy. You know how you do something and your daddy's so proud of you, he gives you a good gold star or it's just, it just it's, a, it's a wonderful feeling of, of um, yielded submissiveness, but um, out of a heart of joy and, and expressed through song. Like this morning, coming into work this morning, um, uh, I was singing, uh, all the way my savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Who can doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? And, and the rest of it, heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. And, and I just feel so, I don't know, clean on the inside, giving those songs of praise to him. So um, I sing because I have to, but I also sing because I want to. Well, and you can sing all the time because you have a beautiful voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I get a chance to hear her. But I think for me, Colleen, um, I found that, that uh, there are more places now that I see the Lord than I have ever in the, my, my past. And, and you know, on that same drive in from work, just looking at the blue skies. And, and I always thought that, that being up in Montana or you know, being in amongst what I would consider God's creation as being those areas where I could see God the most. But going back to that backyard, uh, the one thing I learned is God is everywhere. It's just we need to look for him and uh, allow him to, to, you know, speak into our hearts. Um, that's a fascinating and a wonderful statement, Ken, that God is everywhere. Because so often in the midst of our suffering, we can become so self-focused and self-absorbed and absolutely so irritated. And then we only have problem upon problem upon problem. Um, but too and there have been times when jonathan has been um when it's been tough 
I have looked and the Lord is there. And um, I love hearing that you both choose to look in the direction of God wow. and um, choose to see the bigger picture. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, Colleen. In the future, when I'm having a tough day, I'm gonna remember this image right now on my screen of you and your tears opening up your heart and confessing how hard it is, but that you look to the future, you look to grace, you look to God. I will think, you know, Lord Jesus, Colleen is doing it today. And if she can do it by the grace of God, I can do it. And uh, that that is enriching, that is so edifying, that is so, that builds us up so much. When we open our hearts to one another, confess the weaknesses, and yet gently nudge each other toward hope. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I think that's part of the vulnerability um, that I loved in your book is mm. that you put the daily realities of life mm. into a picture that every person can face, that every person may face at some point, whatever Whatever the issue is, I know that you both wrote um, this, our lives and our struggles, it's really not about the quadriplegia or the chronic pain, although those are significant, but those are the conduits into which the Lord gets to our souls. Um, and I've learned that through raising John, just in those challenging times of, I don't know what to do, or I don't. Lord, I'm afraid to trust you, or I did trust you, and this happened. Um, they lead us to Christ. Are there any passages of scripture besides those that you have mentioned that bring you to that place of worship? Um, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, starting with the seventh verse. It says, though we are handicapped on all sides, we are not crushed. Though we're perplexed, we're not in despair. Though we're persecuted, we're not abandoned. Though we are knocked down, we are not knocked out. For every day we experience something of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that in turn, we might experience the power of the life of Jesus in these bodies of ours. To me, that just sums it up. Every day, we're supposed to experience something of letting go, something of dying to self, something of crushed hopes, so that in turn, our focus might be driven to God. Um, I often say suffering is like a sheepdog snapping at our heels, driving us to the road to Calvary, where otherwise we just wouldn't, we just, we just wouldn't go. We right. wouldn't go there. But suffering pushes us down that road into the arms of Jesus, and uh, that's a pretty safe place to be. So I, I like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Great portion of scripture. And one of the passages of the scripture that I've always appreciated uh, calling is 1 Samuel 16, 7. Now, this refers back to the time when people would ask, well, why would I even consider marrying someone in a wheelchair? But, you know, that passage of scripture says that God doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And Johnny is, as you can see, has a beautiful heart. And I'm just blessed to have her as my wife. And we've been able to share this 
these 30 years together. It's been, it's been a wonderful journey. And I love it that you also talk about the hard times where there were fights before you were supposed to go in and speak, Johnny. And those are always the moments before you're supposed to go speak anywhere are always the hardest I have found. But you share that and then you share. But now, as we have come along through this time, look at how the Lord has changed us. Yes and use this in our lives, what would you say to the person who is struggling now with doubt, with bitterness, with anger, with resentment? Um, I think those are all passages that you both must have gone through at different times. Well, um, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to, it's okay to even be angry as long as you turn that anger Godward. Don't use the anger to um, alienate yourself further from your from your the solution to your problems. I mean, it, keep turning your anger Godward. Um, and and we said this before, but it bears repeating. Find a close Christian friend, somebody who know is you know is going to pray for you. You know will be there at one o'clock in the morning when you make that call. Someone you know who will uh, drop everything to go to that critical dental or, or the critical medical appointment. Um, somebody who will be with you. Compassion means with suffering. Compa be with that person in, in their suffering. Uh, find somebody that you can just um, open up yourself to and be real with. Lord willing, it's your husband or your wife. And it's a big risk to, to become vulnerable before your, your husband. I have said to Ken often, Ken, I know I am not the best wife in the world. Would you please? help me see those things about myself that need to be changed just would you help me do that and and that that's gee whiz that's that's being really transparent before another person and that's really courageous <laughs> but it shows that you trust that person uh that he won't abuse that privilege but but um you know speak affirmation into your heart it's a real risk it's a risk that that's worth taking though and if you trust in your partner, your marriage partner, who you probably should, she'd be the best one to evaluate your situation and be able to tell you, speak into your, your own heart. Mm -hmm. We should close on a hymn. <laughs> you choose. Oh, um, let's see. Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory, be glory for me and for all of us. I have nothing else to say because that is the best way to close our time together. Thank you for this. This has been uh, real special being with you. And I, feel like, I feel like I've gotten to know you a whole lot better too. This has been very, I don't know, when I see you the next time at a, NRB or at conference somewhere. I, I'm just going to know I love you a lot more, lady. Well, I treasure both of you, and I thank you so much for opening up your hearts to us and for sharing part of your journey with us. If there's been something that has stirred within you from what Ken and Johnny have said or anything that I have said, I, I really encourage you to leave comments either on our blog 
or to get in touch with Johnny and Ken through Johnny and Friends, through their ministry, that all will be listed in our show notes. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. This has been a we great will. time. We too, Colleen. God bless you. You've got Thank it off to you. a great start. Take care. You can find the show notes and referenced resources in the podcast description or on our website, reframingministries.com. If you were impacted by today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you rated and reviewed the podcast, shared it on your social media, or share it with some friends who you think would be touched. You can connect with Reframing on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and other social platforms. And you can email me personally at reframingministries at insight.org. To get notifications for more of Reframing's content, subscribe to the podcast channel or subscribe on our website, reframingministries.com slash subscribe. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we'd love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.